Hello, and welcome to the Sons of Comic Podcast, everyone. My name is Steve Pugh, and I'm here with Scott Hill. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Scott. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott Hill. Um, I've been brought on due to my uh, comics knowledge, and so, yeah, I'm going to try and knowledgeify you good folks. Yeah, and Scott, is uh, he is very knowledgeable in comics, and uh, he'll probably be a regular here on the show. So, uh, welcome, Scott. Uh, today, uh, we will be going over um, just everything about the Joker. The Joker is one of the most prolific characters and uh, villains, per se, in the uh, comic world. Uh, one of the most recognized, most certainly. And uh, we just kind of wanted to go in into, into a discussion um, primarily and why about... why you want to? He's one of the most audibly distinctive to talk to. Exactly. Sorry. That was my Joker <laughs> impersonation. It could be better. Oh, it's fine. I think it, I thought it was good. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. So we're going to go into first his origins. Scott's going to go a little bit about that. Uh, some of the best lines of comics to read, and uh, then we'll start our discussion. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the Joker, um, his origins, and uh, go from there. Well, uh, first I think I'm going to talk a little bit like – because when you talk about like his origins as far as in-story, uh, that's a rather contentious issue, and intentionally so, like – he honestly wasn't really given a backstory until like the eighties uh, when Alan Moore wrote the killing joke. I think there had been like one or two attempts, but that was like the first kind of official one. And even then within the story, it had a lot of, um, there was a lot of evidence that the Joker might've just been making every single part of that up. Well, that very but, well could have been, but I think that the Killing Joke was quite definitive in explaining, you know, his origins, and then it's been kind of carried out from there in in uh, all the animation, uh, the yeah. animated films, and so on and so forth. Yeah, like I mean, uh, probably one of the most innovative things that the Dark Knight movie did with Heath Ledger is that it took that and threw it out the window and said, "We're not doing that." Like that, that was. Um, uh, I remember so. I remember having one comic book friend who specifically said that that made him very happy because he, 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 he felt that that story was starting to mission. But I think um, just as interesting, that in fact, even more interesting, is how he was created as a character. Like that's kind of as Bob Kane and the other people who were involved back at the time talk about. Uh, excuse me, talk about uh, how they came to come up with this character. <laughs> pretty funny uh there's two things specifically uh first of all remember that it is um oh and i can't believe i just it's victor hugo's fault and that uh the joker was completely ripped off from something uh so victor hugo the guy who wrote uh hunchback of notre dame lame is rob he wrote this other story called the man who laughs right which, yes yeah w- tragic story character named uh, Gwynplaine, I think if that's how you pronounce it correctly, who was tortured to the point that he could no longer not smile. Like, he, he was just always smiling all the time. And in the 20s, there was a very fantastic silent film version uh, starring uh, Conrad Veidt, or Veidt, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, who, in, in a side story, was also the name, the who Is that um, like Adrian Veidt was named after in Watchmen. Yes, but, Adrian um, Veidt, yes. Yeah, but uh, Conrad, but he, um, but he uh, also, like, he was a famous, uh, his famous silent film actor was also in Cabinet of Col- Dr. Caligari and was, like, 
pretty much like anytime the French needed a skinny, creepy guy, that's who they got. <laughs> and so if uh, those of you listening to this podcast look up The Man Who Laughs, guaranteed one of the probably the first picture or one of the first pictures you will see will be what straight up looks like a black and white picture of the Joker. Like pale skin, rictus grin, almost looks like his hair is green, but you can't tell because it's black and white. Like straight up the Joker. It doesn't and really it matter not- that it was ripped off or anything, but it, I mean, it, it it really you know gives his character a whole uh, new perspective. I, yeah, I use I use ripped off kind of tongue in cheek because I mean, th- there's that argument that nothing's truly original. That's and true. what's funny is that in in the original Man Who Laughs story, uh, that character Gwynplaine is not he's he's actually more of like a Quasimodo from Hunchback of Notre Dame type, where he's a very gentle soul. He looks grotesque and horrible and creepy with his permanent grin, but he's very sweet-mannered. And so it's really funny that Bob Kane and the other guys... How dare they make fun of Quasimodo? Oh, yeah, he looks creepy and he's sweet, so let's make him creepy. (laughs) So that's, like, exactly what he did. And they they use this character for... It was Batman's first issue. Now, when I say his first issue, I mean his first issue of his own series because before that... Batman was just in Detective Comics, which now you hear the phrase Detective Comics, that's synonymous with Batman, but before, I mean, Bat- Detective Comics was exactly how it sounded. It was a and can I just say, Detective it's, it's funny how people don't, a lot of people don't know what DC stands for, like when they say DC Comics, they're like, what does that yeah, stand DC for? Comi- was like, DC stands for Detective Comics, yeah, Detective so when Comics. You say DC Comics, you're saying Detective Comic Comics. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's funny. Yeah, it's uh, funny. But yeah, so... So Batman had been featured in Detective Comics, and so they he was popular enough they were going to give him his own series. And so Batman number one, they wanted a couple of the good villain, and that's when they came up with the Joker. Based off of both the playing card that one of the artists have, if I remember correctly, one of the people on the staff. Sorry, I'm, I remember good comic details, but names and like specific stuff, like I, I tend to remember more of the anecdotes more than specific facts. So feel free to fa- fact check me, anyone listening. Um, but... Anyway, like based off of the playing card and this character from Man Who Laughs, that was their inspiration for the Joker. And it's funny when you read that first issue, Batman number one, that Joker was in, Christopher Nolan heavily based their version of the Joker off of that. And so it's like in that issue, the Joker, just like Heath Ledger's version, would announce his crimes before he did them. At one point, he even impersonates an officer to get to one of his kills. And, you know, just lots of little details of that like that, like that, where it's kind of when they when they did the Dark Knight, they were trying to bring him back to his roots. And it's a lot of fun. Like, it still is a good read today. It holds up very well. Like, the Joker is still creepy. And that's one of the cool things about the Joker as a character is he's kind of always been fully formed. Like, like you you go back and read the Joker from beginning to now. And the only time when he didn't feel quite like the the Joker was was like during the 50s and 60s when the comics had to be less extreme. But yeah, even then, true. he still felt like the Joker. It was just a funnier version of the Joker. <laughs> well, they just tried to chalk him up and make him a little more cheesy, you know, more kid-friendly because they yeah. were they were under restriction. Yeah, yeah. So but I think it, that's interesting, I, but as well, I, I wanted to interject and just say, can we can we mention the whole? Um, a lot of people are talking about this on the web, but the whole Joker origin in Gotham in the Gotham series. Did you see that uh, that Monahan kid 
that they're saying oh, is yeah, the Joker. Oh, yeah, yeah, the circus kid? Yeah, the circus kid. Yeah, I... From what I understood, it's still not confirmed that he's the Joker. Yeah, it's, it's not confirmed. But... Yeah, because, like, what the... From what I... From what the people who were making it said, is they said that they were going to intentionally tease the Joker in all these different ways, like, different stuff that plays into the mythos. Like, in the first episode, there's a stand-up comedian that was also supposed to be like a little, is this guy the Joker? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know. But the circus kid, I thought, actually had some pretty good chops. If oh, he ends man. up actually their version of the Joker, oh, he... I would not complain. Like, he, no, <laughs> he fit the bill. He, he did a great job. I mean, just That show like... bonkers, though. Like, Gotham... Oh, my gosh, is it ever. It, like, it started off, like, really good, but it's gone off the rails, and in some ways... It saddens, but still amuses me because, like, I kind of hate watch the show now. Like, oh, I don't do that. I mean, what I, other? It, it it it's everywhere. It 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 takes you everywhere, and it just does yeah. the most unexpected things. And just like, can I also say, like, the uh the part where um Fish Mooney like gouges out her own eye, like, holy, oh my gosh, holy never moly. saw that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was just blindsided. That... I think everything in that yeah. show is meant to blindside you. Like that's like the whole yeah, point yeah, of the totally. show. Yeah, but, totally. It's yeah. But yeah, that's a, a bit off topic, but yes. Anyway, yes, that's anyway, a, back that to That show was uh, a lot of fun. But yeah, anyway, back to like let's talk about who the Joker is, you know, per se in regards to Batman. Yeah. So, um I guess the one funny thing is is like a lot of people tend to refer to the Joker as being Batman's opposite. Which, in some ways, actually feels slightly inaccurate. I, um, to to kind of be to argue semantics here, um, I'd say he's less his opposite and more his perfect complement. Because mm. you could be someone's complement without being opposite to them. And a lot of ways, Joker is not Batman's opposite. I mean, I guess in the way that Batman is dark but fighting for justice and goodness well, in and some joker ways is... he is in some ways he isn't because in in one regard uh joker is all about chaos and batman yeah. is all about justice and well kind of a, a lot about order in a sense but you know like you said well, he's more I of mean, a compliment but at the same time yes he is kind of his opposite but not really well i mean that's the thing though is that it's sort of like where they tend to be opposites is sort of in presentation kind of like i guess in theme really they're opposites as far as theme is concerned, because Joker is, let's take something that's, uh, you know, friendly and funny and turn it into something sinister, and Batman's more about, let's take something that's considered sinister, a bat, you know, associated with vampires and creepy stuff, and make it about something good. But as far as their tactics, they're actually not that far off, because both of them tend to use... fear. Um, they they both use fear, but in like different ways, and they they both kind of tend to. Um, I'm searching for the right word. Disenfranchise is not the right word, but basically just kind of when it comes to their enemies, neither of them go for the straight fight. Neither Joker or Batman go straight for the jaw. They no, they go for effect. They, really, they go for like yeah, yeah, you know, the area effect sort of thing. They go for the yeah. the whole shebang. It's a big show. You know, yeah, they're, they're prima donnas, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, both of them, both, area is the exact word. They both know the arena that they're fighting in. And in some ways, I think that's what makes Joker such a compelling villain for Batman, is that Batman is the, you know, is the master of knowing his area, of, like, using 
using the shadows and everything like that against the people that he's fighting. And Joker is the villain that beats him at his own game. It's like, I, I've i already set up these jokes and pratfalls. I know this area better than you do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Batman, usually any character is at their most interesting when the status quo that you know about them is is turned against them. So Batman, his status quo is he's in control. He's the biggest control freak in all of comics. Oh, it's true, but that's the reason he's so good at what he does, is that he he is a master of his own senses, his own mind, and his surroundings. Yeah, and that's why the Joker, as a villain, is one of the greats, because he's one of the ones that regularly knows how to... Oh, he knows how to push his buttons. ...out of Batman's hands and push his buttons, exactly. It's like he causes Batman to lose control or be on the edge of losing control. And so I think that's... even in Dark Knight Returns that was like what his whole goal was. Like even when he oh, gets yeah. out, he that's all he did was he was shooting people, he was hurting people all just to get him to to break, yeah. to break. And and, and he did almost, actually. And almost strangled him to death finally after all these years. Oh and yeah, he snapped his neck. Well, I mean, he, he did. Him. He he almost did and the Joker was just like you can't do it, huh? And then Joker snapped his own neck to make Batman look like he did it. But yeah, that part of that was a little interesting, though, because in that story, Batman had already it apparently killed the mutant leader. So why not kill the Joker? But as a self-contained event in that story, I thought, you know, looking at Batman and Joker's relationship, I was really cool. But you look at the rest of the story, it kind of didn't make sense because it's like you killed other people. Why not? Why not kill this? And for you this. listeners out there, uh, Dark Knight Returns, Mark uh, Mark Miller, please read no, it. Not, oh, no, wait, not, not Mark, Mark Miller. Not, not Mark Miller, it was uh, Frank Miller. Frank Miller, sorry, Frank Miller, oh my gosh. Uh, please read it, one of the greatest ever. Uh, check it, out the animated film. It's, it's, it's definitely one of the most the... influential works, because yeah. it was reading that, that, it was reading that and The Killing Joke, which we mentioned before, written by Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Uh, especially the killing joke is what Tim Burton, when he was making that first Batman movie, that's what he read that made him say, "This is the movie I want to make." Oh, can I want to just make... say like how great Batman from 1989 was, like in comparison <laughs> to the Joel Schumacher train wrecks that we got in the 90s. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have to say that um, Tim Burton. I'm not like a huge fan of Tim Burton. I think he's a little off kilter for me, like in a, in a weird sense. But when he did Batman, I was just like, oh my gosh. He made him dark, mysterious, and perfect. Anyway, but yeah, yes. like I think people who—it's funny because like the younger generation who didn't grow up and see the effect that story made, mm-hmm. I don't think they fully understand how. Before that movie came out, the standard for Batman, and I and I've talked with like people <laughs> who are older about this. Yeah, around I the time the Dark Knight came out, the Dark Knight comes out, they're like, I remember when Batman was all like light and friendly, like. You know, boo, kapow, and they don't, those, I'm going to call them idiots. I don't think they're idiots, but I'm going to call them idiots because that's the feeling it elicits in me as I talk with them. Uh, Batman's supposed to scare you. (laughs) That's the exception. Like, the 60s Batman, Mm -hmm. back in the 40s when, or, you know, in the late 30s when Batman was created, he was dark. Oh, yeah. straight up, that was when he didn't have his no-kills rule either. He straight up killed the villains. The Joker is one of the first villains that did not die. And that was something I forgot to mention. I was talking about his origins. Is I can't remember the name of the fellow, but I think it was like the managing editor or something like that. Was basically sick of the fact that... Um, the funny thing is, 
is uh, is uh, Bob Kane, uh, the guy who was in charge of Batman and claims to be his creator, but there was another guy that Bill Finger that helped with it too. Sorry, I digress. Um, basically, <laughs> uh, Bob uh, Bob Kane wanted to consistently have Batman's villains die so that Batman didn't look inept. Which, how ironic is that? When we think about Arkham Asylum and how it's a revolving oh, yeah. door. It Bob really Kane is. was kept right. But but this managing editor was sick of it because it also meant that they were burning through interesting villains like nobody's... Bi- like, they kept having to come up with new and new villains over and over. Yeah, that'd be too and hard. There stuff- <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, it was way too hard. And, and he kind of felt like they had some good villains that would have been nice to keep around, but they couldn't because they got killed. And so he stepped in... Because Joker was set to die. Joker had gotten this uh, dagger through the heart, and he was dead. And this managing editor stepped in and made them write one last panel that basically showed the doctors who were coming onto the scene being like, oh my gosh, this man's alive! He's gonna live! And as a comic creator, like, how? He's got a dagger in his heart! And the response was nothing, because it was the end of the issue, and you just huh. deal with it. Boy. <laughs> everybody was like, everybody I'm sure was reading that, that Joker's deader than Jason Todd after Joker was done with him. Oh, snap. Word. Word. Which we have no one to blame but comic book readers for that one. Yeah, I know, exactly. Dang voters. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I I suppose part of the reason for this podcast was to be friendly to newer readers. And I mean, with all the aside mentions we've made of comic book stuff that we and I need to work on that. But, um, <laughs> in the future, we will be better. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but um, it's interesting as Joker developed though, because basically, when it comes to him developing as a character, like he, he kind of didn't really need to develop because he was always fully formed. Like he, like he's just sort of had different permutations, but the main ingredients were always there. He was just always. Oh, it's always the oh, classics, I, you know. It's the uh, yeah. you know, the green hair, you get the white makeup, the red lipstick, or the the creepy smile, the the the, the yeah, million, millions of teeth in his mouth, the the purple suit. Yeah, like even like even in the first one too, like in that ba- that first issue he was in, he'd kill people and they would die with a smile on their face, like like all of the he used gas, he used he used the calling card. He t- he always had the theatricality. But um I don't know, can we just skip to some of our favorite Joker yes, stuff? Yes, please, let's, let's go on to that. Because <laughs> i got to tell you, what probably has to be my new favorite, because I only just barely like read this earlier today, I was preparing for this, but what has to be my new favorite scheme the Joker did was, um, let's see, I think it was like back in 1942, like it was this, this old, but um, uh, basically the... <laughs> The Joker's plan was, get this, it's from an issue called The Joker Walks the Last Mile. This is Detective Comics, issue number 64, all the way back in June 1942. So his plan was simple. I'll listen a few steps. First, step number one, he turned himself into the police and confessed to all of his crimes. So you always do that? That's step number two, he would actually get sent to the electric chair, which led to step number three, of him letting himself get fried to death by the electric chair. So then step number four, his henchman could bust in and steal his body, and step number five, pour, like, a life elixir down his throat, effectively bring him down back to life. 
And the effect of this was that since he had paid for his crimes... Oh, he was free and clear. He was free. He could he could do whatever he wanted. They couldn't arrest him anymore. And that was his plan. Oh, man. Is that not the most brilliant thing in the world? It only works in comic books, but it's brilliant. You know, like, they did that in a TV show. Do you know that? They did that in a, a TV show called um, Raising Hope. Like, the dad, um, he... That was, uh, like, the person's plan? Yeah, well, it wasn't actually the plan, but she's this this crazy lady that he um, has a kid with, um, the main character. She goes on death row because of killing a bunch of her boyfriends. She gets the chair and then ends up making it through after her sentence is carried out. So she's free and clear. She can't be charged for the same crime, the, yeah. for the, all the past crimes. So she, no record, clean. Yep. So. Yep, she died. So, yeah. They but, uh, ripped it off of the Joker. They ripped it off. They did. They totally did. They totally Joker did. came up with it first. You heard it here. Exactly. I, I influenced crappy family soaps. Um, <laughs> and that leads me which, to my is there favorite. Any more evil than I've ever done. Oh my gosh, my favorite uh, voice or actor of the Joker is is not an actual like live action actor. It's Mark Hamill doing the voice of the Joker. He is when, like the top. Of the top, like he. Oh, like when I he hear him, I'm is, like, "That is the Joker. That's the Joker." He, he's the default voice for the Joker. Like, I mean, he's sort of he's the standard. Like, when you can go from the Batman the Animated Series playing the voice of the Joker straight over to being carried over into the Arkham game series to be the Joker. I mean, that just that just. I mean, it means people love you as the Joker, and no one's gonna yeah, sell I, for anything less. Yeah, I, I love it. I I love it because it's still it's still rare because a lot of people know, but. I love coming across people that I can blow their minds by saying, yeah, you've played the Arkham City games, right? Right? They're like, yeah, I love those games. I'm like, do you know who do, does the voice of the Joker? They're like, no, who is it? I'm like, that's Luke Skywalker. They're like, I know. What? You didn't think a guy that played that role back in the 70s could do a voice so dark, so creepy, yet so funny, actually, at the same time. Yeah. Like, he like, makes you laugh. Like, my favorite lines in that in uh, Arkham City is like when he's got Batman all tied up and he's like take my blood for example this stuff is killing me I wish some, you know it's just <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so hokey but but he's, he's funny it's with such conviction and coming from the fact that you I mean I think that's another thing that makes the Joker so fun too is that your default image of a of a criminal is someone who would take themselves seriously and the Joker oh, yeah. like is not in that business he doesn't take the only thing you take seriously is by is, is committing to whatever punchline amuses him. But uh, another funny factoid too is you know who was originally cast for the voice of the Joker before Mark Hamill in the animated series? Oh, who was that? Yeah, uh, uh, Tim Curry. Oh, really? Yeah, from Rocky Horror Picture Show, Tim Curry. Like, but he's like supposed to have the nasally like kind of you know well, know it all. Uh... What happened is that, he, uh, from what I understand, he basically just, you know, as Tim Curry, he doesn't need to do any other voice than Tim Curry, because he's just... Well, he's Tim Curry. Yeah, he's Tim Curry. So he did it in a natural voice and just went for it, but apparently it was too creepy. Like, it was... it Why was like a bad This thing? is going to give children <laughs> nightmares creepy. Like, we can't put this on television. But that's we will the whole point! Children. And, and the guys making the animated series... The thing is, though, is this guy's making the animated series. They didn't want to scar the children. They wanted to scar the parents who actually understood 
why what they were showing was so creepy. Like, oh, so much stuff they did in that show that went over the kid's head. Yeah, you know, it totally went over my head as a kid, too. Like, I rewatched that series, and that show is so freaking dark. That <laughs> show really is dark. really and, dark. And there's a lot of innuendo, too. Like, no kid oh, yeah. watching that at the time understood oh, that, hey, want to rev up your Harley? Like, none of us got what that meant. Nope. <laughs> but as an adult, you're just like, ooh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that's, you know, uh, that and, show is also so where... Um, kids listening to this podcast on the off chance, don't ask about that. Don't worry about it. It's, yep. Yeah. So, you know, and, and with that same show, that's also where we get the origins of uh, Harley Quinn, who is, like, went from being in an animated series, like, not even being in the comics then, but being pushed into comics after that, after the fact, which is pretty neat in itself. I mean, to go from yeah, a she's TV like, show to a comic, that's that's amazing. Yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of funny, just looking at that, that, I mean, you have Batman, who's probably one of the most successful superheroes, and that led to us having one of the most successful supervillains, and he led to us having one of the biggest breakout characters in in comics right now. Like, she's like Harley a... Quinn, yeah. She's huge in comics right now, and... It makes me kind of sad because there's still, like, average people I'll mention Harley Quinn to, and they'll get this blank stare, and they'll be like, just wait till Suicide comes, uh, Suicide Squad comes out. You'll, you'll know who she is. And, you'll get it. <laughs> yeah, you'll get it. But she's, well, like, she's actually uh, huge, we could do a whole like, episode about her because she's also her own. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's kind of a huge, like, sexual icon right now. Like, so many girls, like, want to be like her. They dress up her for, you know, they cosplay her at what's, Comic-Con. Yeah, but what I find ironic is I I still feel she was never sexier than when she was an original costume that covered her from head to toe. Like, oh, the whole jester costume. Yeah, the whole jester outfit I think is like a million times sexier than her new like suicide girl looking outfit. Yeah, not a fan. I was hoping for more of the Arkham City variety. I was hoping for it, but you know I wasn't. You know. Well, I mean, the suicide like the. The su- actually, the Suicide Squad outfit... Sorry, when I say Suicide Girls, anyone who gets that reference uh, should... Uh, anyone who doesn't, don't look it up. Uh, tawdry. Um, but, <laughs> su- but like for Suicide Squad, I think her outfit actually... I think it captures her fairly well. Fairly well. But um, I don't know. I'm excited for to see what the actress who's playing her can, can pull because just set pictures. But well, anyway, we're we're digressing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so <laughs> different episode. So in in order, what do you think is like your top picks for Joker? Like the, the actors, voice actors, like in in um, from least favorite to favorite. Least favorite to favorite. And, you know, or you can go the other way. I don't, I, you, you yeah, could... like I, I guess I don't know. I, I'm usually adverse to ranking, so I'll just say in no specific order some of my favorite, and then in no specific order some of my least favorite. I guess I'll uh, I'll throw out there my least favorite, which this is a cheap shot, but they made a Birds of Prey TV show. <laughs> um, yeah. Back in the day, it was like for WB. It was like we're in Fox or UPN or what you know like. One of the ones, you know, the ones that scraped the bottom of the barrel. We're gonna have to do like a whole another episode on like the WB slash the CW and like their history (laughs) with like comic book uh, media and just like to go into that. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, so like in that, um, they show an episode in the episode 
because since it's dealing with Birds of Prey, it has Batgirl after she's been um, after she's been handicapped and is now Oracle in a wheelchair. And they had a flashback of when the Joker shot her. Um, of when the Joker shot her, and it's funny because it was so awkward. Like they, to their credit, they got oh, yeah. Mark Hamill to reprise the voice. So the Mark Hamill was the voice was Mark Hamill, but they got this skinny actor that they shot kind of out of focus who's couldn't quite lip sync convincingly enough to it and it was like a brief 30 set and it was just like a giant wtf like what the crap was that well like, that, sh- that show was kind of a, a big question mark slash <laughs> you know exclamation point like wtf yeah although i i i did rather enjoy seeing uh ferris bueller's girlfriend uh play harley quinn like yeah, that she was went. Cool. Whether she succeeded, I don't care. She she still gave it her all. It was fun. Um, but that, I guess, if I had to like pick any least favorite, there's that one. I also there was that TV show, The Batman, where the funny thing is, is at, as far as the character was done, like the plotting and the writing and in the voice acting, I thought was good. But I still could not get get behind the character design with like. Him literally wearing a, uh, literally wearing a straight jacket and having like the long dreadlock looking hair and just kind of, and going around barefoot. Like it just, they they try to make him look animalistic and it just, I mean, it wasn't an unlegitimate, but it was, yeah. But as far as, as far as like the more mainstream actors people are expecting, like, I think they've all done a solid job in their own way, like. Like, um, obviously Heath Ledger is now just infamous and Mark Hamill, we've already talked about how he's the standard for the Joker. But the funny thing is, is now with like Heath Ledger being what everyone goes to as the best on screen version of the Joker, it's kind well, of him to dying has kind of like made it has kind of like proclaimed well, him and like cemented him in that position because they're like oh well he was so good and he died and you know they, yeah. they kind of chalk it up well you know? I think that had an effect but even if he hadn't have died it's I mean I think I think him dying put a finality to it but even it if did. he hadn't have died I think people would still be saying he was the best oh yeah absolutely just by virtue of the fact that he's the most recent that tends to be how we work but I think an unfortunate thing by people saying that he's the best is that now they kind of badmouth Jack Nicholson's Joker as being like, oh, he wasn't all that great. When that's a little unfair. The funny thing is, is there's something that, like, there's that whole speech that um, that Heath Ledger's Joker says in The Dark Knight, talking about how like I'm just a dog chasing cars and I don't actually make plans; I just make stuff up as they go along. And that's, yeah, that's baloney. So bull crap. It's such bullcrap. Oh, it really is. Like, you plan everything out. You are just. You're lying just so you can convince Harvey Dent to fall. Like, it's br- it's one of the best tricks his character did. That's but if all he take- is, his tricks. <laughs> yeah. But if you take that um, speech, and even though it doesn't actually apply to Heath Ledger's Joker, if you apply it to Jack Nicholson's Joker, it is 100% true. You watch him the entire movie, and he is making every thing up as he goes along like everything like he, at one point vicky vale asked him what do you want and he has to stop and think about it like he's like i don't know 
Like, I mean, for anyone here who, like, tries to write a character or tries to write a script, that's huge. That's actually huge because uh, one of the most effective ways to try and write a character is just a- sit there and asking, what does this person want? And then just ev- dictating everything they do based off of the simple thing that they want. And if you can watch a movie and asking, what does someone want? And judging by how the character acts, what they want makes no sense. That's the that's for me the easiest way to know that something is poorly written. But in this case, they like he's literally has no idea what he wants. He has to sit and think about it for a second. Like, huh, what do I want? Well, when you look at the uh, Joker objectively, like over his history, most of the time he has somewhat of ideas, like of a plan. Like he'll 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 write out a plan usually to come after Batman. But like in a lot of ways. After he has his after he has his plan in motion, he just kind of does whatever comes next yeah, to him like, after that. And he usually, like, I don't know, he he just you know creates chaos after that point. Yeah, yeah, and exactly, it's like he he doesn't really have an end game in mind. He's just he's just doing things. He's just doing things, and so it's like when you, if you watch that Jack Nicholson's performance by just reminding yourself, like, what asking yourself, why is he doing this right now? And realizing that, it's because he's making crap up as he goes along. Like like when he shoots Bob, the henchman. Why did he do that? Because he felt like it. And immediately after doing it, he regrets it. You can see it. He's like, oh, yeah. oh I shouldn't have done that. Dang it. <laughs> I'm ending a moment alone, boys. Like, crap. It's like he's just nothing but urges. He's a dog chasing cars in that movie. And it's, for that reason, I think that it's actually a lot of fun. Almost as much fun to watch Jack Nicholson as it is to watch Heath Ledger, just because, well, Heath Ledger is so committed to fooling people into thinking that he's not planning anything, but really is. Jack Nicholson's not trying to fool anybody. Jack Nicholson doesn't care what anyone thinks. He's just like, mm, I'm waking up this morning. I feel like poisoning the entire city with beauty products. And so that's what he does. And that's like, that's classic Joker. <laughs> I agree. I have to definitely agree with that. And, you know, in a way, Jack Nicholson was kind of like the start of Joker in movies, like in real movies, you know, that we could actually see. I mean, I don't really count Cesar Romero, and I'll get to him in a minute, but, um, yeah, Jack Nicholson kind of like set the standard for like what we think of as the Joker. And then, you know, we, once we got Heath Ledger, I felt like we got spoiled because, you know, there was so much thought put into him and his character and um, what he had to offer and what they wanted to see him do on screen. You know, after years and years of not seeing the Joker on screen, I think they really... And I still remember, like, when it became obvious they were going to do a sequel to Batman Begins and they were going to go for the Joker, how everyone was just sort of like, why? We've already got Jack Nicholson. Why do you need to do... We've already got the definitive version. And so the fact that they were in that environment that they were in and knocked it out of the park the way they did is amazing. And, like, apparently, from what I understand, Heath Ledger, like, approached uh, Christopher Nolan about doing this part. Like, Christopher Nolan, I think, had in his mind that he maybe wanted to do the Joker, but once Batman Begins ended, if from what I understand, I think Heath Ledger went to Christopher Nolan and was like, what do you have in mind for the Joker? Because I've kind of had this idea in my mind of what we could do. And they really collaborated, and, like, Heath Ledger spent an entire month in an apartment by himself keeping a Joker diary. And I think that's where a lot of people 
uh, where a lot of people thought that the Joker had gotten, like he'd gotten too close to the character and that's why he ended up dying and blah, blah, blah. When really the sad reality is that he just took the wrong combination of pills because he was having trouble sleeping and, and headaches and stress due to, you know, his divorce and trying to be with his daughter and everything like that, that it was just an unfortunate cocktail, which in some ways is worse than the idea that the spirit of the Joker grabbed hold of him. Well, the other sad thing is that with his death in tow, like, they, from what I know, they were possibly planning to have him be in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, if I'm not correct, and they were going to yeah. make, like, the best oh, Batman yeah. sequel ever ever like after the dark yeah, the night it was going to be going to be very different they like they had to really go back to the drawing board after Heath Ledger's death because they were straight up planning on using on the Joker returning and so it's like there's some people I've heard some people say that they're sad that Heath Ledger wasn't alive because otherwise um Scarecrow wouldn't have been Scarecrow it would, you know at that courtroom you know what I mean they, it would have been the Joker and the two reasons why I have to say that's bullcrap is, one, why would the Joker even care to serve that function? Like, that doesn't make sense. And two, that's also just not true either, because after the Dark Knight Rises is what they came up with after their original plan failed because Heath Ledger died. Yeah. Which, how ironic was that, that the actor whose character died in that movie, Aaron Eckhart lived and the actor whose character lived in that movie heath ledger died. died yeah god has a sense of humor i suppose uh it's yeah it's the supreme form of irony i suppose <laughs> yeah you know and so for me in my uh linear thoughts about you know who i think is the either the best jokers and the worst um my least favorite um I mean, I don't mean to pick on him too much. I mean, I don't think he had a lot to work with. But Cesar Romero, I mean, he was he was a decent Joker for for what he was, and I thought that you know he was he was funny and cheesy, just like the whole show was. And then from him, you gotta remember his mustache, though. Like, yes, I do. I I read about that, and I and I listened to about that. He had him. He he had. He said, "I'm only gonna do the role if I get to keep my mustache." And they had so to they paint, paint over it. <laughs> they paint over his mustache. <laughs> and if you look close, yes, you can see it. Which I just thought was just... It, it's 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 hilarious just to, to watch him work. <laughs> that, and it was it, funny. That almost makes me want to give Cesar Romero a pass, because that's kind of a Joker thing, too. It's yeah, like, that would totally be a Joker, Joker thing. Joker rock mustache. He would. Oh, <laughs> like, yes, definitely. So I thought he did an okay job um, being the Joker. Um... Well, then, it's kind of sad because as good of a job, as decent a job as he did, he got outclassed by uh, Gorshin. Frank Gorshin? I can't remember. The yeah. guy playing the Riddler did a better job of being the Joker than the actual Joker on a TV show did. Yeah, I read about that too. I mean... He was very... Like, he, he was much more madcap, and that's why when they did Batman Forever, they cast Jim Carrey because they're like, hey, we're going to have him be just like the guy in the 60s version. And <laughs> you definitely Modern Riddler has, <laughs> had moved on from that, but then they stunted his growth. And we'll have to talk about Riddler and another thing. I've t got tons of opinions on him. Anyway, sorry, well, I keep interrupting with my factoids because I'm a comic book geek and I guess that's what we do. Well, <laughs> that is what we do. We, we're a font of facts. 
and knowledge. But um, after Cesar Romero, I would definitely have to go um, with my third favorite being Jack Nicholson. Um, he was just fantastic. I loved the fact that they... Uh, in Joker mythos, nobody knows the Joker's real name. Um, it was never given up or never written or just kept to the uh, the writer... Um, the original author and creator's uh, knowledge, so nobody else knows that if I'm not correct, Scott. And then, um, but I do like the fact that they used his, one of his aliases. They used uh, Jack, and Jack is one of uh, Joker's very, very popular um, aliases. Jack Napier, or was it Jack White? No. I, yeah, I think it was Jack White. But my favorite alias the Joker ever did is uh, he would go by Joe. Last name Kerr. Mm, yeah. <laughs> K-E-R-R. Joe Kerr. Yeah. yeah, Joe Kerr. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought Jack Nicholson did a fantastic job. He was, I mean, he started out being that gangster, and then he went to being this total total freakazoid. Yeah, and you could see the break. That was good, too. But mm-hmm. I, I guess it seems like where you're heading to is, like you said, we've had an embarrassment of riches, so even though he did such a fantastic job, he's still only your third favorite. He's still my third favorite. Um, then obviously Heath Ledger, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, they really, uh, they just put all the creepy, all the creepy they could fit into him. They, they put in there all of the, the crazy killing gags that he would do, you know, let's not blow things out of proportion. You know, I've got, I've well, got grenades in my pocket. Everyone or I really can, the magic trick. You know, they all do the, the pencil it's, and the forehead thing. It gets and, a good laugh. Yeah, it gets a good laugh. But, sorry, that was, that was my Heath Ledger impersonation. Um, yeah. I, I just uh, I, I think he he did a smashing job of just uh, of personifying the role and you did, you wouldn't think that a pretty boy like him could play such a creepy looking role but you know he really pulled it off he so totally nailed it yeah he totally totally nailed it and especially in that sense because there are lots of iterations of the jokers in the comics where his look is slightly changed you know his hair is slightly changed it's a comb over here it's a mussy look here so he really played up the must look. Yeah, like he he looks so. very he looked very different, and like one of the things too that no one pays attention to now because he knocked the role out of the park. But what was very controversial too is he was also not perma white. That's true. Like, like in the comics and in every other medium, Joker is his skin if is you, white. If you were just yeah, if you're just stripping naked, which why would you want to do that if your name isn't Harley Quinn? But I mean, <laughs> if you if you were to do that, his entire skin would be white. Pause. Yeah. Uh, but, um, sorry, I had a thought I'm not going to share. No one should, no one should know the thought I just had there. <laughs> um, but yeah, his entire skin would be white because he got like bleached or whatever the heck happened to him. Whether you subscribe to Alan Moore's killing joke backstory or some other reason, he's purely white. But there were people who, like longtime fans, and some of them are still ticked, but both. Most of them have quieted, but some of them, but there were a few that were just like, oh my gosh, you can't do the Joker and not have him be permanently white. Him him having complete white skin is part of the character. That's what drove him crazy. Blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, geek rants and, and comic book guys saying, ruined forever. Oh, like, I definitely have to disagree with that one because... Well, yeah, but but at the same time, though, if, if Heath Ledger had failed... Would you disagree with them, or do you only disagree with them now because Heath Ledger worked? 
that's a good question that put that's like double standard for me right there it's just like yeah yeah. it is it's like that it plays into the whole histories written by the winners thing it's It's true and why is that so true that sucks that it's true yeah but yeah uh, yeah um i thought i thought he totally personified the role and i i did enjoy the fact that he wasn't perma white just because it it fit the whole bill that he was trying to make himself look creepy and if he was perma white he would already be creepy and there was nothing about that that would serve the purpose yeah, because because honestly, that's what the permawhite is essential to the character. It's the it's that commitment to theatricality that's the yeah. essential to the character. Exactly. But yeah. uh, I also you've also reminded me of something too. And I can't believe I like spaced out on this and almost didn't bring this up as we were talking about this. Um, I feel that anyone who's a fan of the Dark Knight's version of the Joker owes it to themselves to look up. A series of web videos called the Joker Blogs. Have you heard of this? No, I haven't actually. Oh my gosh! The first episode, the first like couple of episodes, drag a little bit. They're a little slow, and it, it's a little weird because the guy who plays Heath Ledger's version of the Joker, he he's not going for like a full in- imitation. He's kind of his own version of it. But as you get swept up in the series, like if you make it to the third episode, the third episode. Is uh you know sort of like how anyone who makes it to the end of that second episode of Daredevil is just like oh my gosh I'm, I have to watch the rest of this oh my goodness yeah. this is the third episode of the Joker blogs you get to that third episode you're just like okay I'm hooked and you get and the guy who does this like does a wonderful job of keeping the spirit alive and so the base the whole point of this web series is is uh the Joker is now sent to Arkham. And his psychiatrist is a certain Dr. Quinzel. Uh-huh, of course. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's him. It's him. And it's really good. And it's shot in blog file, too. Like, it's it's set up the idea that um, these are his, the recordings of his sessions with her. And towards the end of, like, the first season, like, there's a whole plot point about how now they've gotten put onto YouTube somehow. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> It's great. And like seriously, check it out and maybe next time you know, next time we talk about Joker in this, you could be talking about we could discuss what you, oh, your yeah. thoughts. Definitely have to do that for sure. And then lastly, um, to cap my my tops, uh, Mark Hamill just uh, knocked out of the park. I also thought, just uh, as a side note, in the Flash uh, series, he did the uh, role of Trickster, and I thought that was fantastic, yeah. by the way. And you can totally Reprise hear the Joker. Because he played the Trickster back in, in the in 90s. In the other one, yeah, with uh, John yeah. Uh, Wesley Ship. Um, yeah. In the John Wesley Ship uh, Flash series, which was which, just... If I remember, I think he did that before he was the Joker, so I think that series played a part in him getting the, the Joker part. I always feel like uh, characters or actors that end up in uh, comic book movies, they 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 tend to just keep going in comic book movies. You know, you see, uh, like Chris yeah. Evans. You know, Chris Evans played in several um, comic book movies. He was in The Losers. He's in, he's Captain America. He was also in Fantastic Four. You know, they just kind of fall into these trends where they end up in these comic book movie roles, and I I, I kind of like it. And so I think Mark Hamill. Is is one of those actors for sure that um, he must be a comic book lover. I mean, only oh, somebody totally. you know, somebody who's who does these roles has to be must be a fan. He totally to is. Degree. He was in this um this 
I can't remember if it was a series or something like that. It was called, I think it was called Fantastic Stories, like in the 80s, where he played this guy that had, like, listened to this. It was kind of weird. Like, it was almost like the Twilight Zone, but without, like, the dark twists at the end or anything. Just sort of fantastic stories. And the, and he played this guy that, when he was younger, listened to, the, like, this gnome. can't remember the advice that weird gnome that only he could see gave him but listen to this gnome's advice and like hang hung on to and ended up hanging on to all of his possessions and everything and ended up going through the whole life where he lost his wife lost his job lost everything and now he's like an old man pissed off that he listened off listened to this stupid gnome and he's now going uh he's now and now he's got a jar of pennies that he's trying to convince the person at the gas station to take so that he could fill up his car with enough gas to drive himself off a cliff. <laughs> and the, the, the gas station attendant's like, I'm not counting your freaking pennies, and like walks off. Well, while he's having this discussion, these comic book guys are going through his stuff that's like in the back of his truck and notice a first issue of Superman. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. As comic book. Cue to him now being a millionaire and seeing the gnome again and being like, I guess I I owe you an apology and need to buy you a drink. But of course, <laughs> the, the, you know, the gnome doesn't mention anything and there's a beautiful woman standing next to him. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll take that drink and cue the happy ending. He's married. And, yeah. That's but hilarious. Mark Hamill's totally been like, has gone out of his way to accept roles about comic books. Like from from. There's friends who have done voice acting with him. He'll straight up say he's sick of talking about Star Wars, but he would love to talk about comic books. Like that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> oh, but, uh, I love that. I think Mark Hamill is just a he's a fantastic actor in all respects, and um, as a voice actor, he just he knocks it out of the park. Whenever I think of Joker, I think of I hear his voice first. Um, yeah. I, I can hear him in the Arkham games or in the Batman animated series yelling at Harley Quinn and telling her she's worthless or or I can hear him uh, making fun of Batman or calling him, you know, and just uh, just trying to shoot the breeze with him like they're buddies. Yeah. You know, he's he's kind of funny in that way. He he thinks of himself as Batman's friend, but as, you know, also as his opposite and his yeah, enemy. Yeah, like the voice messages. He's oh, the sleeping. voice messages. He's like, hey, honey, you know, like, when are we going to go out and do this or do that? And he's just it's like, you know, it's hey, like, why aren't you calling me? I, I've left you several messages by now. What are you busy fighting crime? Maybe you're going around with that hussy cat woman. You know, it's like. Oh yeah, he's. It's just so a. Funny. It's just a Which, fantastic stuff. I just, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the Arkham games. They're, they're like the definitive game that I go to when I'm just bored and I want to do something, and uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just play just to, to be the Batman and to, um to see the Joker. However, Arkham Origins was a total train wreck in, in many respects. And I, I, I thought the guy that played the uh, Joker in Arkham Origins was okay. Um, he did make the Joker sound younger. He had the younger sounding Joker voice, but he wasn't, but you know, he's, he's not there. Mark Hamill. He's not Mark Hamill. Yeah. And, and the, and the funny thing there. is, one of the only, cause when it comes to voice acting, in some ways I almost look at like people who have acted the Joker out live versus those who have voiced him, I kind of put them in different categories. So it's like, I kind of don't actively compare Heath Ledger or Jack Nicholson with Mark Hamill because I almost feel like that's unfair. Oh, yeah. Because, But there's probably been only one voice actor I can think of that I thought came close to matching Mark Hamill. And that was, um, gosh, 
I can't remember his name, but in that DC's been doing those like uh, animated adaptations of some of their most iconic stories, and they did one for Under the Red Hood. Oh the, yes, yes, that yeah. guy. Oh man, he that, did a really good job. I can't remember his name, but he's the one that does the voice for the dog on Adventure Time. Oh really? That's oh that is the same. That's guy. who it was. Yeah, he's the one who did the voice of the Joker. <laughs> oh my it's like, gosh, I totally didn't I even say, realize that. D. Bradley Baker? I don't know. I, I'm not going to try to remember the name, but but yeah, anyone listening should look up Adventure Time, look up the dog, and actually no, I think it's DiMaggio. Something as anyway, but he's also Bender on Futurama. Oh my gosh, that it's is not... the same guy. Yeah, and it's like he really, really can't like. Like, especially that whole scene where, you know, Black Mask is, like, proposition is giving him the proposition of taking this job <laughs> on. One of you guys and give so me some water. And so he casually kills all the henchmen <laughs> with his wine glass. Oh, And it's like, so okay, cool. I'll do it. But, uh... Yeah, John DiMaggio. Yeah, John DiMaggio. Like, he's, he's probably one of the only other voice actors outside of Mark Hamill that I'm just like, yeah, you captured it. You really did. Because, like, everyone else has kind of been trying to just be Mark Hamill, but he he managed to be Mark Hamill but not. Like he he was he was a great anyone who hasn't seen um, the Red Hood? Batman Under the Red Hood oh, owes it to themselves fantastic. because that was such a well produced movie. Oh like, my was, gosh. The voice acting for all of the characters. Fantastic. Like I yeah. love Neil Patrick Harris. I'm a huge How I Met Your Mother fan and I just thought he yeah. knocked it out of the park for Nightwing, even though he was very small part. But yeah. Jensen well, Ackles of Supernatural awesome for red hood like that's the only voice yeah. i want to hear for red hood forever yeah and then and then um bruce what's greenwood the older ca- the, the older captain guy from the new star trek movies the one that yeah bruce greenwood does batman yeah bruce greenwood was perfect as batman too. well i mean he, and he had, also he does um, that great voice yeah that. he also did a batman for um young justice oh young, yeah that's young right. justice series that's right yeah oh man so. okay so I guess the big elephant in the room that we haven't like quite talked about yet is the new actor that's on his way to deb- debut as his turn as the Joker. So, what are your thoughts on um, on? I can't believe I just spaced out on his name. Jared Leto. I, I, I'm bad. Jared, Jared, Jared Leto. Thank you. Yeah, I'm bad on. What are your thoughts on Jared Leto? So, Jared Leto, um, from the first time I've ever seen him, I saw him in Fight Club. Um, he gets the crap kicked out of him in Fight Club. And Fight Club is like one of my favorite movies. It's in my top ten. I've read the book. Um, I love Jared Leto. He gets the crap kicked out of him. And in, in pretty much every part. Like, I mean, he oh, gets... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if David Fincher's directing it. He, like, in Fight Club, he got his face beat in. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then in Panic Room, he got, like, shot through the, shot through the face, like... It's kind of funny because Jared Leto is like one of those pretty boys that knows he's a pretty boy, so he likes to cast himself in parts where his pretty looks. Yeah, have you ever seen a Thirty Seconds to Mars? Uh, yeah, have you ever seen a Thirty Seconds to Mars music video? Yeah. No, I never love yourself know, much. Not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, he does like to showboat a little bit because he knows he's pretty. Girls love him. <laughs> they love him for Thirty Seconds to Mars. They love him for Fight Club. They think he's amazing, and he is—he's an amazing actor. He's oh. very, very good. Well, he, have a short memory because girls have been loving him since my so-called life yeah exactly that is that, is that true. old that old tv show he was my my wife who's actually um a few years older than me she's she's eight years older than i am totally had a crush on him while she was watching that show live and she was yeah 
yeah, he he's a pretty guy. So which means, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, I think I don't know. He did he did Dallas Buyers Club and he played a kind of a creepy role there and he just kind of went folded right over, you know, because when that first pick of him that uh, David Ayer posted on uh, Twitter of the, his new Joker, you know, with his hands in his hair and he's got his tats all out, you know, I was just like, holy crap, this is like a whole new level of Joker. It's like so different, but um, I can totally see uh, where they pulled origins from for his character, um, some of the lines of comics. I think there was a there was Death of the Family that they're kind of pulling from um, some of his looks. They're also pulling a little bit from The Killing Joke with that whole pose that he did. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, based on what I see, he looks like he's going to be super crazy. Like, he's going to try and actually, like, one-up Heath Ledger on the crazy scale, and that's, like, what I think he's going to go for. And, uh, you know, he's a he's a very talented like actor. He's so worried I, about his performance. So, uh, I I don't think I'm really worried about his performance. I might be worried about the uh, writing, the mm. writing of him. Maybe that might be the only thing that I'm I'm truly worried about. The look, he looks pretty crazy, and it and it may take some getting used to. But I think once I actually get a snippet of like seeing him as the Joker, I'll probably be okay well, with it. I just need a glimpse well, to know who about he's that, gonna be like. The interest. Sorry. The, uh, the interesting thing about that. Instagram photo that they posted is there's actually been talks that the tattoos and everything that he was sporting in that was just for that photo. Like, cause they, that was actually the second photo they posted. They did a previous one where he was, where he was holding up a camera to his face, like the cover of killing joke. And he didn't have any tattoos in that one. Hmm. And even if you look at, there's been some set photos of like, of him talking with, uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. With and, yeah, yeah, um, and and again, like he doesn't seem to have those tattoos there, so he might actually look more traditional than people were expecting. I think, which I thought was a weird move. Like, if he's not going to be having the tattoos, why have that be your first big picture of him? But that is true. It, it, it's funny. He just he the whole Suicide Squad movie, like both the Joker and everything else about it, feels like a big wild card. Like, I have no idea what to expect. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of a little excited about it because, you know, as comic book fans, it's kind of become easy to spot which, you know, what you're going to get from different stuff. Now here, I want to actually quiz you real quick. I want to do a trivia question right here. Oh, you're going to say you girl me? Is that what you're going to do? Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm going to do. For those listening... I just want to put this on a record before you quiz me that I'm not a fan of the fake geek girl meme. Just want to put that out there. Anyway, That's fine. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> so with Suicide Squad, there have been a few um, kind of um, versions of the Suicide Squad in TV and media. And I'm, I want to see if you – I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, where was the last one? Maybe in before – before they did Suicide Squad, you know, in Arrow, where where was the last time? Like where was the previous last one that was seen? Yes. Mm. That where that at least was teased. Uh, teased in TV. I 
do feel like I'm being fake geek girl. Like, I've already displayed tons of comic knowledge about Joker and everything like that, and I have no freaking clue on this. And it's like, I've now just been... It's because I'm... I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's not your fault. It's mostly because I'm like... I was geeked out by this show, and I was kind of like... (sighs) It was so cheesy. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, it was in Smallville. Oh, see, that's probably because I never really bothered watching Smallville very much. And I should have guessed. Like, yeah. Like, I just sort of... From what I... Because... It was cheap. It was cheap. Yeah, it was cheap. And the people making it... It almost almost seemed like there was a recurring fight between people involved in the show who loved comic books and people involved in the show who didn't give a crap about comic books. It was like... So it's like for every amount of fan service that you would get from that show of like, oh, wow, people making this seem to get comics, you would also get the, oh, my gosh, do the people understand what characters they're working with at all? And it yeah. probably didn't help that the guy playing Superman was a executive producer. Oh, by the end of the show, the show yeah. And he didn't – and he was pretty much admitted the fact that it's like, I don't read comics. Oh, but, I was totally bummed out by the end of the show that the last episode was the only episode he wore the, the full costume, and I was pissed off. You, I was like, I was you like, and everybody else, buddy. I was like, you this, this show blows. I can't believe I wasted all this time watching this stupid show. And Anyway, <laughs> uh, I digress. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah but, um, I think Suicide Squad will uh, shape up to be something impressive, if not... Um, fun to watch for sure especially since batman has basically been confirmed in tv and media to actually make an appearance so ben affleck's you know bound to show up um did you even see that clip where um he's on top of joker's car he's on top of that sports car oh you'll have to find it um there's a little there's a little clip of of batman uh chasing the joker and basically joker's driving this like super sports car that's in classic joker colors in like a purplish red um, he's driving Wait, around with Harley from Quinn. Suicide Squad? Or this is yeah. from Batman v Superman. No, this is from this, this is from, from Suicide Squad. This is from Suicide Ooh. Squad. So Ooh. he, yeah, Batman is confirmed to make an appearance in Suicide Squad. He's gonna be chasing Joker. He's gonna land on top of his car while Joker's driving, and Joker's gonna try and mess with him or something like that. So there's you a heard, there's you heard a heard it here first, people. Unless you heard it from another news outlet, and we're just repeating what you already know. But if not, you in heard other it here case. You heard it here, and that's that's what's important. So, right. That's so. right. We don't claim to be the first source, but we will be a complete one. But we are a good <laughs> source. We are we are we are good. Um, so, so, yeah, I how, think I think Jared Leto will be good. Yeah, because I have I have my own theories on how Jared Leto is going to play the part, and I'd be interested to see if I'm right. Because I mean that one, that first pit that. That second picture, technically, where he's, like, screaming and he's got the tattoos and everything like that. The funny thing is, is I kind of think that's not going to be entirely accurate of how he's going to be. Because the thing about Jared Leto is he's – you called him a showboat before, but he's kind of not in a weird way. You sort of, like – he kind of, like – he tends to actually be pretty relaxed. Like he, he puts himself out there and he puts himself in the center stage, but then he doesn't like start getting shaky or anything. Like he's very, he's very relaxed and calm and chill. And I'm kind of excited and hoping that he brings that to the role of the Joker, because 
And if there's one thing that makes the Joker a fun character, it's the way that he's cool under pressure. Like, someone will point a gun at him, point blank, and he'll just kind of be like, yeah, so? Uh, really? Do you want to do that? Like, and there's a picture, an onset picture, where apparently Margot Robbie, as Harley Quinn, is pointing a gun at his face, and he kind of just uh, looks yes. like talking her out of it, just sort of like, do you really want to shoot me? Like... Oh, and apparently, yeah, right really after that, to, like either right after that moment do. or before that moment, he like b slaps her. Ooh, yeah, you have Ooh. to look up that pic. He slaps her That'll, in the face. Yeah, it'll be interesting just because he's like, because the thing is, is I think we haven't really seen a Joker who's smooth. You know what I mean? Like, like Heath Ledger kind of was slightly smooth just because he's Heath Ledger is kind of a smooth guy. But he wasn't totally smooth. Like, he was sort of... At the times he was smooth, it was, like, played as a joke, as how not smooth he was. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. he was sort of... Like, he was much more twitchy and licking his lips and just kind of, like, his mind going in a million different places. Well, I think the best uh, uh, representation of smooth was still... I think Jack Nicholson was was pretty smooth. Yeah, but even then, even then, Jack Nicholson was smooth, but that was all a ruse because, as I mentioned before, he's making everything up. That's like, true. He's being smooth as a way to hide the fact that he has no idea what the crap he's doing right now. <laughs> Whereas I think Jared Leto, there's an opportunity for him to be like, I know exactly what I want, and I'm going to get it because I'm the funniest man alive, and that makes me damn sexy. Like, well, you know, I think he'll he'll either do that or he'll really just try and... I don't know. I th- I think they're gonna write him to be just absolutely insane. Like he'll be calm one moment and then just break. Like at the, oh, at, a, totally. at, a, at a moment's notice, he'll just break. You know, for, oh, totally. for, for like, no for no reason at all, he'll just break. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that totally still feels like quintessential Joker. Like he's because he's had moments in the comics too where it's like when the Joker breaks, when the Joker legitimately has a case where he's caught with his pants down or caught unaware or basically finds himself not able to just sort of not able to get himself out of the situation. His meltdowns are something to behold. Like, Oh yeah. Like I, and of course now that I say that, I can't remember a specific one. So anyone listening, you know, feel free to like, you know, shoot us an example, but it's like when he's, when he's basically lost, what, that's the irony. As, as good as he is getting Batman to lose control, when the Joker loses control, he, like, it, it's like a nuclear... Yeah, nuclear-sized meltdown. Yeah, yeah. Which, um... Uh, for some reason, I'm right, reminded this has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but this is, like, a favorite... Another favorite Joker comic moment I have. Well, actually, that's what of... we're going to move on to last. Um, we'll just... Okay. We can go straight to our, our favorite Joker moment. Okay. So you mean like right now? Yeah, let's just go right into it. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, anyway, thank you, listeners, for our awkward. Wait, what we're we gonna do this again? No, you go. No, you go. Moment. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think uh, there's a fairly. It's fairly obscure. Like a lot of people see the effects or see people doing an homage to it without realizing the original thing. But there was this comic from like the '90s. It was a. It was a. Ended up being a three comic series. They did the first one. It was called Red Rain. It was Batman versus Dracula, and had really cool artwork. This was like right when 
this is around the time when Bram Stoker's Dracula had come out and the interview with the vampire was happening. So it was like vampires were, this was the first wave of vampire coolness before anyone ever talked about Twilight. that book that is the synonym for sunset. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, so it's like, this is like the first kind of big wave, like it, Lost Boys was still fresh in the mind. Like it was around that time. And so, and it was a cool series. You have Batman fighting Dracula and he ended up defeating Dracula but at the end. He contracts vampirism. And so then that moved on to the next book of, like, now Batman as a vampire is fighting crime and fighting other nests of vampires that he's discovered and everything. And uh, and I can't remember if it was that one or the third one, but basically at some point you have the Joker who, not being a vampire, manages to outclass all of the vampires in the city. Like, he's got... So it's like, he's basically, all the vampires who are being hunted down by Batman are also trying to, like, take out Joker, too. But Joker's, like, decked out like a vampire hunter and can't be touched. And it was, like, really cool to kind of have the dynamic switched a little bit, where it's like you have Batman vampire and Joker vampire hunter. And so, um, so there was Red Rain, then there was, like, Crimson Mist, and there was another one. But anyone just... Anyone listening should look that up because that was a fascinating take on the Joker too, and it was it was a great change to the dynamic that I would recommend to anyone. Um, if you live here in Utah, seek out your local Dragon's Keep comic shop; they might have it in stock. Okay. Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless <laughs> plug. Um, for me, I would definitely have to say. Um... I mean, I keep coming back to it, but I'm a huge fan of those Arkham games, and it's uh, at the end of Arkham City, and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't finished Arkham City or who hasn't you played the game. You have two, one seconds, and spoiler. Go. Okay, so spoilers. Joker dies at the end, and um, as he is dying, he, he's dying because of, of events that had transpired back in, in Arkham Asylum due to the Titan formula, and it was killing him. And uh, Batman had the cure, but it, it fell to the floor and crashed, and uh, the formula was, was lost, and the antidote was lost. And as Joker's dying, uh, Batman basically comes up to him and says, um, you know, even after all you've done to me and after all that has happened, I would have still tried to save you. I would still have given you the, the antidote and, and saved your life. And then Joker just kind of looks up at him and says, that is pretty funny. And then he laughs and then he dies. <laughs> so that is, you know, that's, that is just, you know, Joker written all over it, you know, just, just the fact that, you know, he, he, he gets a laugh out of everything and he's, he's still pretty funny. You know, he thought it was funny that, you know, that's how they're, that's, that's the whole Batman and Joker dynamic is him never giving up, like not killing him and putting him in jail and Joker just trying to you know, tick Batman off to the point that he'll he'll break, and I just, I just think that was my my favorite moment, especially you know with Mark Hamill doing the voice and the the whole scene. You know, you're it, at the yeah, end of the game. Well, it was it was pretty yeah, great. Batman doing the voice there too, because just as much as Mark Hamill. Was, oh, Kevin Conroy, the voice, the voice of Batman him. is Kevin Conroy. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's when you when you when you close your eyes and you picture what Batman sounds like, you picture Kevin Conroy. That's that's who you imagine. And, and so, the story, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Yeah, like, I, I would have to... I actually... Um, ha, though I knew Joker died, because I'm kind of a spoiler hound, I actually have not... 
yet beaten Arkham City. Uh, so I haven't gotten yet to that part, but that's brilliant. <laughs> huh. It's uh, spoiler alert for for the for uh, listeners out there. Sorry. Um, spoiler alert for a game that's um, almost three years old now and is now getting its <laughs> new sequel. Yeah, but you know, yeah. for anybody else, man, I am so excited for Arkham Knight. Even though I don't have a PS4 yet, I I, yeah. I, I want one so bad just so I can play it. Um, but anyway, um. That kind of concludes our discussion on the Joker. Um, we could go on and on about the Joker. He's such an interesting character. We seriously uh, such, could. Such a great psycho. Um, love him to death. Hate him at the same time for the stuff that he does. He's sick and twisted, but that's also the reason we like him. Um, yeah. but One yes, of these times um, we could totally do basically like an episode on all of the Joker-like characters that are out there. Because, yeah. like... Um, Actually, indulge me for a second, but I seriously—I have this million-dollar idea that if there just happened to be anyone that ha- can uh, can manipulate the rights for this to happen, I think that my the best story to possibly happen would be if somehow Marvel and DC could cross over, and the Joker's new henchman would be Deadpool. Oh, that would be funny. That would be because hilarious. Deadpool's a mercenary. He would totally be a henchman. And what's Joker famous doing for his henchmen? Oh, they would make the like the most comic, the most comic, hilarious duo. Like they would do their own series. Uh, you don't even have to have Batman in there at all. You just watch no, their dynamic. Totally and, it, and it would just escalate because Joker, Joker's always killing off his henchmen, but you can't kill off Deadpool. And Deadpool's going to manage to somehow be funnier than Joker. And no one can be funnier than Joker. So well, Joker's going to try and kill him more. And it would just, it would escalate. And then, Throwing Harley Quinn into the mix, love triangle, it'd be hysterical. Oh like, my I, gosh, that would be amazing. This and needs then to happen, you'd right? get, you know, you get Wade Wilson just breaking the fourth wall, and then Joker just right behind him doing the same thing. You hear that, folks? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just uh, just doing the same yeah. thing. Oh my gosh, that would be hilarious. I, I gotta, I gotta take that somewhere. I gotta write up a proposal and get that to to DC and Marvel right away. I know, right? It's like, come on, this needs. To... Or maybe what you and I should just do is see if we can find some actors in the script and just film with ourselves. No, that'd be pretty uh, fun. But anyway, um, I'd like to thank those uh, who are listening out there. Um, you can find us on uh, Google+. Look up our page. Please uh, comment on the on the, uh, on the the podcast. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please write us a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts on us, uh, comments. Um, if you've got a great idea for a podcast, we are open to suggestions. You know, this is not always cut and dry. This is kind of a democracy as well as it is uh, it is um, lead-driven. Dictatorship. And dictatorship, you know, communist uh, dictatorship. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, we just want to thank everybody for listening. And, um, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, uh, listen to us next time.